Turn with me, please, to the book of Mark. Mark, the 11th chapter. We're going to be looking down at the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th verses. You ever heard Mark 11, 23, and 24? If you've been exposed to Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry, then you've heard these verses many times, as have I, and I never tire of them. I'm more excited about them today than I've ever been. And if you're not, then you need to get that way. I want us to begin a new series this morning. And uh, I was looking at some other things. God had been ministering to me about some things out of the book of Revelation. And uh, I was, you know, stirred up pretty good on it. Of course, you know, always it's first to yourself. And then you see, but uh, as I began to pray, actually about four o'clock this morning, the Lord woke me up. And I got it clear in my spirit that what we need right now, most of all, is a great big dose of faith. What do you think? Does that bear witness with you? A great big dose of faith. Because uh, it's going to take some faith to believe in everything that God's got going for us right now to do for the kingdom and to expand and increase and reach out because he has so much he wants to do for us and with us and through us. And the only way to receive it is by faith. So are you ready? Can you hook up with this? You're going to believe with me now? And don't presume and assume you already know any of this. Hmm? Maybe you know something, but... You know, the scripture said, uh, if you think you know something, realize you don't know anything as you ought to know it. There's so much more. And uh, how could you tell that it's getting real to you and that you're believing it? How could you tell that? You will get excited about it. So if it's dull and boring to you, it may not just be all the preacher's fault. <laughs> Mark 11, 22. Mark eleven twenty two. What does it say? Everybody read it out loud. What does it say? Have faith in God. Is that a suggestion? Did he say try to have faith? That's one thing I dislike very much about a number of these modern translations. They at their own theology and discretion, put words like try, try to do this, try to do that when it's not in the text. The Lord never told you to try to do anything. Did you know that? Find it. Search the scripture and find one time where he ever told you or anybody to try to do something. Why would you tell somebody try? Because either you think you know are you are convinced you don't know whether they can do it or not? But would the Lord know whether we could do something or not? Well, then why would he tell us to try? Be no need for him to tell us to try anything because he would know he wouldn't tell us to do it if he didn't already know we could do it. So he just says, do it. And here he says what? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Now he goes on to say, for verily I say to you, that whosoever, 
So does this just work for preachers? Who's it work for? Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Now let's just stop right there. What did he say to do? Is this prayer? Hmm? This is not prayer. Did he say, pray and ask God to move the mountain? No. No. Did you know a lot of people are praying when they ought to be saying? They're begging God to do something and they're not getting results and wondering why God won't answer their prayer and ignoring the scripture that told us to do something. God, move the mountain. Please, God, make this mountain get out of my life. Please, God, move the mountain. Please, begging and pleading. Please, God. Is that what he said to do? Then why do millions do it? Ignorant of the scripture. Lack of faith. What's a mountain? That's a big thing. (laughs) That's in your way. It's something big. It's something solid. Maybe something that's been there a long time even. But it's not something you want there, and it's in your way. It's in between you and something. Is God in the business of putting mountains in people's lives? No, he's not. But did he tell you what to do about it if you got some great big problem in your way? What do you do? He didn't say beg God, beg God, beg God year after year. What did he say? You speak to the mountain. This is not a person. You're not talking to God. You're not even rebuking and binding the devil. You're not talking to people. You're not talking to yourself. You're not talking to God. What are you talking to? The mountain could be cancer. Could be AIDS. Could be a brain tumor. It could be huge debt. It could be, uh, you know, terrible relationship problems. It could be any number of things. But if it's not something God is doing, if it's a problem, if it's something in your way, you should talk to it. Jesus spoke to trees, to the wind, to waves, didn't he? What we might consider to be inanimate things. And nowadays, if somebody comes by and hears you talking to something, many people assume that you have mental deficiency. Who are they talking to? I think they were talking to that tree. <laughs> and people walk by and go, would you do that with Jesus? Because that's what he did. He talked to a tree. Would you go, oh, Jesus, woo. <laughs> then why would it be a thing thought bizarre for us to do what Jesus did? But now, here's what you do. Not just talking, but what? Read it to me. Whoever will what? Say. So this is not just thinking. Got to open your mouth, right? Open your mouth and speak to the mountain. What's the next phrase? Who are we talking to? Mountain. Cancer. Growth. Cancer. Die. Die. Dry up. Stop living. Wither and be gone. In the name of Jesus. 
Man, I've seen that work thousands of times. I'm thinking one time right now, it must have been 15 years ago, I had my hand. A young woman had a big thing on her wrist. It incapacitated her wrist. It was like this tall and this big around. And I put my hand on that and I commanded it to dissolve and be gone. And I felt it go away under my hand. Now, you don't always see things happen that fast. I felt it. I took my hand away. I couldn't see it. It was gone. She began to shout. And begin to move her hand around. Somebody said, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, I didn't. I still do whether you do or not. I was there. You either believe I'm a liar or you believe it happened. It's the only choice you got. You pick. I was there. But here's the thing. Is that doing what he said do? This was something in her way. And we spoke to it just like he said. Talk to it. Tell it to be removed. Go away. But see, you've got millions of Christians that are good people and good ministers, but they're being told. Well, you'll just have to beg and ask God and see if he wants to do anything about it or not. And so they just beg and beg and beg and just think it's bizarre that you and I think we could speak to it. But why would you and I think we could speak to something? Well, it's the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Amen. Speak to it. Yes, Speak to it. Yes. Speak to it. Debt. Mountain of debt. I call you paid. I call it paid for. Every one of them completely paid in full. Money. Come into my hands to pay all this off. So, so what's he talking to? Is he talking to bills and debt? Yep. He's talking to money? Yep. You know, one thing that really stirred me up on this years ago, I was reading the Bible, which is always a good thing to do. And uh, I came across, you know, where it said that Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. Luke said she had a great fever. He's a physician. And he uses a term that describes she's delirious. And Jesus, they asked Jesus, would he minister to her? So apparently she's laying on the bed, maybe don't even know she's in the world with this terrible fever. And he comes in there. Do you remember what he did? Go to Luke. Hold your place here. Go over to Luke. What is it, about Luke 5 or so? No, 4. Luke 4.38. Jesus arose out of the synagogue. Luke 4.38. He entered into Simon's house. Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her, and he stood over her and begged God to make the fever leave her. Huh? No? And rebuked Peter's mother-in-law. No? (laughs) Why is that funny? I know it sounds funny, but... What did he do? He rebuked the fever. What's he talking to? Who's he talking to? Somebody said it was that fever devil. That ain't what he said. Now, there were times when he spoke to demons. But don't add to the scripture. Well, it was a fever devil. No, that ain't what he said. 
It was what? Fever. Fever. Is a fever a real thing? No. Anything that exists that has a name can be made to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And what did it say? He rebuked the fever. And when I read that, I thought, he's not talking to the Father. He's not praying. He's not talking to Peter. He's not talking to Peter's mother-in-law. He's not talking to the devil. He's talking to a fever. A fever. And then the thought crossed my mind. Can fevers hear? Can fevers hear? And I read the next phrase. It said. And it left her. It. What? The fever. And I thought. Yep. Fevers can hear. If fevers can hear, infections can hear. Cancers can hear. Tumors can hear. See, everything that exists on this planet was created through a sound. Man, there's revelation here we haven't even begun to touch. Somebody says, sound? Yeah, the sound of the Word of God. The most powerful forces are that of light and sound. We, you know, our latest, greatest technology has to do with light. The digital age, you know, anybody got a CD or a DVD? Well, why are you playing that instead of a vinyl record with a needle riding on it? What reads the information on that? It's a beam of light. And we're just scratching the, you know. You know, God has no computers. None. He wouldn't have one. Be like an ox cart to him. Way too primitive for him. He operates at the speed of light and beyond. And he creates through sounds. Words that release his faith and his power. And you are made in his likeness and image. And created to operate like he does on your considerably lesser level. He creates planets and stars. Solar systems with a spoken word. You haven't created an apple yet. But... You're supposed to start learning how. I'm supposed to start learning how to operate in this principle. And so he tells us if there's something in your way, this is how you get it out of your way. You speak to it in faith. Are you with me now? Every mother ought to know this. Every daddy ought to know this. Little baby's burning up with fever. What do you do? Pull your hair, cry, say, I wish I could take their place. Well, that might be admirable, but it does absolutely no good. Wears you out and doesn't help the child. Is there something we can do? Jesus told us. They said, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, that was Jesus that did that. Yeah. But what about whosoever? 
That's Jesus talking when he said, whosoever. It wasn't Jesus talking when he said, whosoever will say to the man. Is he telling us to do that kind of a thing? Hold your place here. Go to Matthew 21. You know, sometimes so-called faith people think they know some of these things. But if you know anything, you've just scratched the surface of this. Can we grow in this? Can we increase? Can we come up? Oh, yes. Yes. And the devil ought to find us very difficult to work with. I mean, he ought to just barely get something started and we go, stop in the name of Jesus. While other people go on year after year as it gets worse going, please, God, make the devil stop. You've done it. I did it before I learned better. Just go on and on while it gets worse and worse and worse. Begging God, begging God, begging God. You can't relate to God and commit to him what he committed to you. You can't try to get him to do what he told you to do. doesn't work. Prayer's good, prayer's right. But when he tells you to speak to the problem, you got to do that too. Matthew 21, are you there? This is Matthew's account of the same thing Mark was writing about. Matthew 21, verse 18. In the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, Matthew 21, 19. He saw a fig tree in the way he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only and said unto it. Who's he talking to? Is he praying? Is he talking to the father? Is he rebuking the devil? Not talking to his disciples. He's not talking to himself. Who is he talking to? Well, he's talking to a tree. He said to it, let no fruit grow on you. Did you hear How he's addressing it, you. Who's you? The tree. tree. Would it be okay for you to say, tumor, I'm talking to you. Tumor, I command you to dry up and wither away. I forbid you to grow anymore in this body. You cannot live in this body. I command you to die in Jesus' name. Can you do that? Should you do that? Well, you hear people say, well, no, no. Now, that was Jesus, Brother Keith. That's why I got you right here. Matthew 21. Notice what Jesus said about this. He said, you know, no fruit grow on you henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled. They said, wow. How soon that fig tree withered away. There was no question about it. They saw him speak to it. They saw later what had happened to it. They knew this was no coincidence. He spoke to it. And there it is. Withered. Verse 21. Are you there? Everybody please. Everybody. Look at verse 21. Either on your Bible or on the screen. Jesus answered and said to them. Now I can do this. Because I am the son of God. And I have done this to prove my deity and demonstrate that I am almighty 
Are there millions of people who believe that's what he should have said? Yeah, but what did he actually say? Verily I say to you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain, be removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done, you might say, for you. There's a whole lot of you in there. Look at it again. Jesus said, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree. Is he saying you can do what I just did? Is he saying that? Millions don't believe it, but he said it. I believe it. How about you? He did it to show us how to do it. He didn't need to come down here to prove anything to himself. Everything he did, he did for us. And his life, he's showing us how to live. How to be victorious. How to operate. How to be a victorious Christian. Right? That's why he said, when they looked at it, Mark says... When they looked at it and saw what had happened, he looked at them, I think he smiled, and he said, boys, have faith in God. Get the spirit of this now. Have faith in God. Let me tell you, you can do this. You can do what I just did. You can do that if you just speak to it. And don't doubt, but believe that what you say happens when you say it, it will happen. What you say will happen. Not only that, you could not only do what I did to this tree. See that mountain over there, boys? That big one? You could speak to that mountain and command it to move. And it would obey you. Who said that? Jesus. Can you hear a call? What's he saying? Come up. Come up. Operate like me. Do it like I showed you. Oh, can you see this? He's training us. What's going to happen in a few more days? This life's going to be over. We're going to be out of here. Well, what is he training us for and grooming us for? To rule and to reign with him. Right? How do you rule and reign? Like he does. It's his kingdom. It's going to be his way. So how does he do it? He has something in his heart, inside himself. He sees it. And with his faith, he releases his words. And it comes to pass. And he's training us to operate that way. And so he left us some curse and some devils to practice on. Because if you never had any problems and issues, there'd be nothing to overcome. You know, if there never were any mountains to deal with, you wouldn't learn how to do it. It was just always smooth sailing and no problems. So when something pops up and something ought not be there, something that's an issue and a problem, do you know what to do? Fall apart, cry, beg. What do you do? Get ready to speak. Get ready to release your faith. 
Can you say amen? amen? Read that out loud with me, that uh, verse again, so you make sure that gets in your heart. Real strong. Verse 21. Tell me what Jesus said. Verily I say to you. Can you take that as God talking to you? Yes. Say to you what? If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Who said it? Jesus. This ought to excite us. This ought to stir us up. Well, you just think you can do what Jesus did. He commanded me to do it. And you too. Did he tell us to do it? The language that he used. It just turns corrupt theology on its ear. Doesn't it? He could have said it any way he wanted to, but he knew... How many people would be being misled and their faith would be being robbed and destroyed. So he says it like this. You could not only do this that I did, but you could also do this. And how many remember John 14 where he said, if you believe in me, if you believe in me and you have faith in me, the works that I did. You will do too. Is that scripture? Is it Bible? The works I did, you will do. And he didn't stop there. He said, and greater works than these will you do. Why? Because I'm going to my father. If I stayed here, the works I'm doing would just get greater and greater and greater. But I'm going to be with him. And through you, the works are going to get greater. And he just told us recently, bigger than you thought. Bigger than you thought and sooner. Than you thought. Bigger and sooner. Well it's the very kind of things he did. Because it's him doing them. In us and through us. Can you say amen. Amen. Glory. (laughs) Go back to Mark now. Well if we cover our text. I guess that will be a good start today. Mark 11. 22. Jesus said have. Faith in God. Have faith in God. Well, the margin of my Bible says, have the faith of God. What does that mean? Well, you can see from what he said, he, later on, Matthew's account of it, he's saying, have faith like I do. Where did that faith come from? The Father. Right? It's God's own faith. It's how he operates Have the faith of God. Operate like he does. Just back up and think about it. If God had something in his way, what do you think he'd do about it? (laughs) He'd speak to it. Then what would happen? It would skedaddle. Right? What the Bible say about you and the devil? Resist the devil. Hmm? Well, you need to turn to that one too. You have to watch about things you think you know. Where's that at? James. James. Turn right over there. James 4, 
James 4. This was our text for some time, wasn't it? Recently. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Verse 7, are you there? Resist the devil. Now, let's just stop. Who is the understood subject here? You know, in the English language, something's worded like that. Resist. That's a verb, right? Resist the devil. Well, who's doing it then? If no subject is mentioned, then it's understood. You is the subject. You resist the devil. Who's going to resist the devil? You resist the devil. How does it finish up saying? And he will flee from God. No. From you. See, people have, it's sad. So many theologians have gone through and replaced the you's with God. Everything's God. But the Bible actually says you. Oh, God, make the devil quit. Make the devil quit. Please, God, make the devil quit. He didn't tell you to beg him to make the devil quit. You can't find one verse to back that up. He did tell you and me, you resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. So what do you do? Enemies trying to do something in your life? He said, no, you don't. No, you don't. Stop it right there in the name of Jesus. I forbid you. I shut you down. I bind you up. Stop and leave in Jesus' name. Then you check to see if you feel any better about it. No, I feel like he's still here. Come on, let's do it again. That's where folk miss it. That's why it's back over to Mark. Man, we're making progress this morning. Back over to Mark. That's why this very important phrase is in this scripture. Did Mark eleven twenty three say that if you said it, it would happen? Not exactly. There is a very important qualifier. Now see, some people try to make fun of us and they say, do you think just everything you decide to say, it'll come to pass? Well, now we believe this. It's obvious that everything anybody ever decides to say doesn't automatically come to pass. And he didn't say that's what had happened. What did he say? Very important qualifier. Verily I say to you that whosoever, so this works for anybody, I don't care if you got saved three minutes ago. Or if you've been born again 50 years. Anybody, everybody that will do this, whoever will say to this mountain... Be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his mind. Now see, some modern translations, they substitute mind for some of these things, and it's wrong. No. Do you believe God with your mind? No, you don't. Anybody remember Romans 10, 9 and 10? For with the heart man believes. Someone said, well, the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Your heart and your head are not the same. Thank God we've learned some of that. Brother Hagin, like I said, my father in the faith, he said this years ago, but it stuck with me. It helped me answer some questions when I first started learning how to believe God, and I'm just as excited about it today. He said, you can have faith in your heart with thoughts of doubt in your head. 
and still get results. Perfect example of it is the man that brought his lunatic son to Jesus and the disciples failed to get him set free. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Well, which one's he doing? Well, in a few minutes, the boy set free. He must have been believing. Can you believe God even with thoughts of doubt bugging your head? You can. Because thoughts and feelings may come. But that doesn't dictate to you what you believe. Something happens. It alarms you. Something is there. You see it. You feel it. You're tempted to yield to the fear. You're tempted to talk wrong. But no matter how many thoughts have come and feelings, can you bolster yourself and say, No, I don't care. I don't care what I see and feel. No. This is what I believe. And if you do that, you did not get out of faith. I don't care what kind of thoughts came through your mind or what kind of feelings came across you. Faith will work in your heart with thoughts of doubt and feelings of doubt and fear in your head. He said, if you'll say it and what? Not doubt in your heart, but shall believe. It's not just saying it, but it's believing what you say will come to pass and not doubting, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever. That covers a lot of ground. Hmm? I want you to say this right now. That That aircraft was on that screen just a minute ago. I want you to point up to that screen. I want you to say it out loud. We will have, we will have the, perfect aircraft. the perfect aircraft. It'll come the right way. Come the right, way. Right, time. right time. Right price. Right price. To, the to the glory of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. We said it. Yeah. Do we believe it? Yeah. Now I'm not going to. Wonder about it when I get home this afternoon. You really reckon that'll happen? Well, this ain't my first rodeo. (laughs) And I've seen it happen again and again. And I wouldn't have said it unless I had already thought about it quite some time and looked at it and prayed about it and considered it. But it'll come to pass. And soon. Somebody says, how? I don't know how. Don't have to know how. Not going to worry my little head about it. Don't you worry yours. Well, Brother Keith, where will it come from? Same place the money came from to pay this church off. And these cameras and all these TV stations and the other airplane that we sold. Same place your clothes come from and your car and the way you get your utilities paid. I mean, God, 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 God. But see, have you been doing this in your personal life? Now, don't just say something, you know, off the cuff, because if you do, you're not really believing it. And it's not just saying it that makes it happen. I didn't just say this off the cuff today. I've been looking at this for months. I've been praying about this for months, which is the right way to go. And only yesterday did we get locked on a witness about the thing. So there are times you've got to look and pray and think and look and pray. But then when you get it. 
Now it's time to say something. Are you with me now? If you'll say it. And not doubt in your heart. But shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he said. Who said this? Does it work just this way? It worked for him. Did he say it would work for us the same way? He said it. Matthew 21, 22. That's what he said. I believe it. I said I believe it. Glory to God. Go to the book of James. James chapter 1. Let me ask this question and answer it briefly. Or unless the Lord says otherwise, not briefly. But uh, then next uh, Sunday, the Lord willing, we'll uh, take off from here. The thing I want to emphasize at the moment is that he said, and shall not doubt in his heart. Because anybody can open their mouth and say something. And that's what has caused kind of a black eye to some of the so-called word and faith people. Is some people have just said all kind of stuff. And no faith. Confession doesn't equal faith. You can say stuff and not believe it. You can say stuff wishing it would happen. You can say stuff needing it to happen. You can say stuff in desperation. You can say, I've seen people supposedly making faith confessions, but they were fear confessions. It was full of fear, not faith. So, if you say it, we know saying is part of it, but it's not all there is to it. Say and not doubt in your heart. Not talking about your head. With the heart, man believes. Your insides. Don't doubt in your heart, but what? Believe. Believe what? Believe that what you say will happen. Then Jesus said, you will have what you said. That's the truth. That's a law. Jesus said it has to be that way. Now here's the question. What is doubt? What constitutes doubting in your heart? Are you in James? We have a perfect definition of it here. Where do you find the answer to Bible questions? Always inside the Bible. I know that sounds funny, but do you know how many people look in other places? Where are you? James. Chapter 1. Why do you think the Lord's talking to us about these things? He's a faith God. He's preparing us for what he has prepared for us. And say, so he has to get you ready. Because elsewise, if your faith's not there and your vision is not there, it'll just overwhelm you. You just look at it and go, oh, no, that could never be. And that'll be the end of it. Looking back, I can see it took the Lord three years of intense, concentrated word to get Phyllis and I to the place where we would have enough faith to say yes when he directed us to come into the ministry and go to school. I didn't know what he was doing, but it took him three years before he could talk to us about it. Do you hear what I'm saying now? What do you mean? Why wouldn't he just talk to you? It wouldn't have been any use. 
Sometimes in ministry, people don't understand that. I have said I've been to places before where I was there for two weeks and couldn't get out what I had in my heart. And people look at you like, what? Just say it. It's not that simple. How many remember Jesus talking about him that has ears to hear it? What is that? Well, most all of them had some skin flaps on the side of their head. What's he talking about? They had a receptacle that could receive the audible tones. That's not what he's talking about. Can you hear it means can you receive it? And can you believe it? What will you do or will you reject it? If people are not at the place of faith to receive something, then many times you're better off not trying to talk to them about it because they'd reject it and now they're responsible. Better off working with them a while Getting them up. And what is God doing with all of us right now? He's working with us. Why? He's got some stuff he wants to tell you. Woo, he's got some big whopper stuff he wants to tell you about. But if he told you right now, you'd go. Mama. It took him a bunch of years. A bunch of years. To get Phyllis and myself to the place where we'd say yes and come over here and start a church with a big place and no people. Not in a few weeks did he get us there. Did you hear me? And what he's been dealing with us this last couple of weeks is to go ahead and believe for the very best of these kind of airplanes in the world with no money. Because we were looking at the other one. We were thinking, now that'd be nice. And he says, what about this? I'm going, huh, is that up there? He said, why wouldn't you get that? Uh, He asked us this. Why wouldn't you get that one? He don't ask you questions because he doesn't know the answers. Why wouldn't you get that one, Keith? I said, money? He said, that ain't what you teach. I go, right. (laughs) So, we went and looked at one and fired it up and drove it the other day. And hey, hey. I'm not just telling you that about an airplane. That's for you personally. What are you looking at? It keeps coming up, doesn't it? Why? God's preparing us. What kind of response does he want out of you? He wants to be able to take you by the hand. Come here, Brother Don. He wants to be able to take you by the hand and go, come here, Brother Don. Look up here. <laughs> you see all those stars? Yeah. I'm going to do that for you. It's like Abraham, the father of faith. And what does he want Don to say? There ain't no way. Uh uh-uh. uh. What does he want him to say? What did Abraham say? What did he say? I believe it. I, yeah. You can do it. I don't know how. I can't even see it. I can't wrap my head around it. But you can do it. Do it, God. Do it. Do it. And then he changed his name. And everywhere he went, he had the sound of father of many nations. It was all over his tent, 
all over his business, all over his, everybody called his name. Father of many nations, father of many nations, father of many nations. We're the owner of an encore, owner of an encore. That's us. We're the owner of beautiful, amazing children's facilities. We're the owners of paid-for, wonderful youth facilities. The best auditoriums, the best offices, the best parking, the best lands. It's ours. We're the owners of it. How about you? What about you? There are things about you. Who are you? What are you? See, there are things on your list. You held it up here before the Lord last week. James 1. What would be the thing that would make your confession, your words, powerless and null and void? It'd be doubt. You're saying it, but you're doubting why you say it. You don't believe it. You're not fully convinced it's coming to pass. See ya. Three years ago. When uh, we got that first little bird. If I'd have said, I'm getting a new encore now, I wouldn't have believed it at that moment. It was taking all the faith that I had at the moment to believe I was getting that. So we're all at different places. And it's not what can you say, well, I'm going to be a multi-trillionaire by the end of the week. I said it, but do I believe it? You could say it. But do you really expect it to happen? You're fully convinced that it's going to happen? No. Uh -uh. So then don't say it if you don't believe it. So then what do I say? It's going to be different for every one of us. Because it's not according to his power. It's according to our faith. And that's why you look and you talk and you pray and you feed your faith and you look and you talk and you pray until you get a witness. Something will come up in your spirit. And now you have confidence. Amen. And you really do believe yeah. <laughs> that you can say this. Yeah. And it will happen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Now what is doubt? James 1. He said, verse 5, if any of you, that's a lot like whosoever, right? Yeah. Any of you lack wisdom. Let him ask of God. Now see this is a little different from mountain because wisdom is not a mountain problem. Wisdom is a good blessing. And every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father. It comes from him so you can ask him for this good thing. This is prayer. Ask of God that gives to not a select few but all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. That's as positive as you can say it. Because you did what? You asked for it. Here in the same book of James, he says, you have not because you didn't ask. Verse 6, but here's the qualifier. But let him ask, how? In faith, what? That is another way of saying, don't doubt. In fact, if you look up the words 
Sometimes it's the same word. This translated doubt or waver. What is doubting? It is doubting is wavering. But let me give you more of a technical definition. The Greek literally means, and actually some other languages too, double. In fact, how you spell doubt? D-O-U-B. How you spell double? D-O-U-B. Can you see? Double. Doubt is, you know, from the root of double. What does double mean? Two. Two. What would wavering be? Wavering about what? Between what? Two. Now, I know this is very simplistic, but man, this will get it. This will lock it down for you. When you're in faith, it can only be one thing. The outcome can only be one thing. One thing. Yeah, but what if? Can't be a what if. Until you can narrow it down to one outcome, and that's a good one, then you're not there. This might happen, I don't know, or this might happen, or it might not happen. Well, God may do it. He may heal you. Or he may not see fit to. You just never know. But stay in faith. Impossible. (laughs) You just spoke the contradiction of faith. Well God might bring that old airplane in. And he might not. He might not see fit to. He might not want you to have that brother Keith. Because you just never know. What God's going to do then faith would be impossible. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. Any church that is truly uh, evangelistic will never tell somebody seeking the Lord, well, go on down there and pray. And he might save you. But he might not. Just say, Lord, your will be done. If it's your will to save me, save me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Somebody say, you're quoting Jesus. Yeah, but it's a misapplication. Did you know when Jesus, somebody said, well, that's what Jesus prayed, so you're supposed to pray like that. Then why don't everybody pray that way for salvation? Oh, we know better. Why? Because we've reduced it down to one outcome. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. What happens? You get saved. Yeah, but he might not. No, 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 no. You do and he will. Because we have faith there. Jesus was not having a healing meeting in the garden when he prayed that. Had nothing to do with healing or prosperity or blessings. He was committing to the will of God. And you should pray that way too in committing to his plan for your life. But when the Bible shows you plainly what his will is. You don't put an if it be thy will when he's already told you what his will was. Are you with me? What would cause your words to be ineffective and powerless? Doubt. Doubt. What is doubt? Dewey. Two. Double. He said, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave. Wavering is like waves. 
It's not complicated. Of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man. What man? The man that's wavering. Now let's just stop. What happens on waves? Especially big ones. You're up. You're down. You're up. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. I don't think so. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. He's 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 going to do it. I don't think he's going to do it. No, he ain't going to do it. He ain't going to do it. Yeah, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. I don't think he's going to. Huh? Oh, I'm getting a new jet. I'm getting a new jet. That's oh, too much money. Too much money. Too much money. Oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. That's no, too much. If you do that, what happens? He said, don't think. You're going to get anything. It ain't going to work. We don't want it to ain't going to work. We want it to work. So what do we got to do? It can't be two things. Yeah, it's going to happen, going to happen, going to happen. No, it ain't going to happen. It can't be both of them. You got to be one. It's just got to be one. You got to reduce everything. One. It's got to be, it's happening and nothing else. I'm healed and nothing else. He meets all my needs. No buts, no what abouts, no what ifs. Got to be one thing, one thing. Oh, can you see this? Maybe it will. Maybe it will. Have you heard this kind of talk? Well, we just don't know. People try to look wise and go, well. Sometimes the Lord says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says maybe so. (laughs) It's got to be one. One. If he didn't say you could have it, don't be trying to believe for it anyway. But if he said it was his will, then you lock on to it. And you refuse to consider anything else. And you don't waver and vacillate and wallow around and wonder. And today, yeah, I think I'm getting it. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. And tomorrow, no, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking about. No, you got to be stable. That's what he goes on to say, right? What? Read the next one. Let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. A double, a what? Dewey. Doubt. You could say doubt-minded. Be exactly the same thing. Wavering is doubting. A double-minded man is what? Have you ever met unstable folks? Today it is, tomorrow it's not. Wednesday we don't know. Thursday, yeah. Friday, nah. Saturday, uh, who knows. Makes no difference how much you shout in here on Sunday morning. If you throw it away Monday night. Somebody say one. One One way. You see the word one a lot in the scripture. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One body. One faith. One. One. One word. One way to believe it. 
It's either his will or it's not. You can either receive it or you can't. It either has to obey what you said or not. Double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. How about the single-minded man? Single mind. Without going to it, Jesus talked about if your eye is single, your whole being's full of light. And you are on the track, my brother, sister. You are after it. And ain't but one thing can happen. The word of God has to come to pass in your life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you for helping us with our faith today. Thank you for stirring us up. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, I heard this in my spirit. Listen not to the double tongue. Listen not and hear not the double mind. For there are many round about you who would speak a thing that would undermine your faith. If you listen, it will wear on you. If you consider it, if you put your mind upon it, then it's opening the door to the enemy to wear you and to pull you, to weaken you. But only have ears to hear what the Lord has said to you. And surround yourself with those who speak that same word. And be a friend and receive a friend, a faith friend. That will stand and say the word in the face of all opposition. And in the dark of night. And in the ache of pain. And in the face of lack. Stand up and boldly proclaim. It is written. And thus it is. And it shall be unto me. Even as he has said. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.